This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Manscaped. We regret to inform you that Quibi has died. <laughs> yes, Quibi, the hottest new thing in streaming video, the app on everyone's phone, the biggest game changer since Netflix, is shutting down less than a year after first launching. What, about six months? Six months, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who could have seen this coming? I mean, we did. Mm-hmm. We did. We saw it coming back before Quibi even officially launched because everything about it seems like a bad idea. Quibi, short for Quick Bites, featured TV-quality shows, but with episodes no longer than 10 minutes, intended for when you just got a little bit of time to kill, standing in line, sitting on public transportation, taking a dump, whatever. Yeah. Which uh, sounds like an interesting new angle on video content at first glance, except, oh wait, YouTube and TikTok and all the other short-form video hubs do all that exact same thing and are also completely free to watch, Yeah. unlike Quibi. Which was $5 a month after the trial period. Or $7 a month if you're, uh, you know, even more Quibi curious. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, the supposed appeal and innovation of Quibi isn't all that appealing or innovative. Uh, But hey, if the shows are good, then maybe people will want to try this new app out. Except rather than pitch Quibi's content to your average Joe who is already feeling fatigued by how many streaming services he's juggling, Quibi's initial advertising blitz, including a Super Bowl ad, did a pretty terrible job explaining what Quibi is. Now, you'd think that a company that spent billions of dollars recruiting big-name actors and celebrities would want to maybe focus on those people, or at least tell the viewer sitting at home during the Super Bowl that this is a new streaming platform. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And, uh, okay, in some other ads, they did go ahead and do that. Here's one that featured Chrissy Teigen, Kiefer Sutherland, Ron Funches, and others, with the entire ad being a joke about how nobody knows what Quibi is. Do they eventually explain what it is? No, of course not. They just tell you to go find out for yourself at Quibi.com. Great advertising. When you yeah. intentionally or obfuscate what your product is. I don't think so. I wanted to see Danica Patrick naked, so I went to GoDaddy.com yeah. multiple times. Every Super Bowl I went. Yeah. Every Super Bowl I was fooled. Yeah. They asked me if I wanted to make a website. No, I want to see Danica Patrick's race car tits. I want to see the ones too hot for TV. Yeah. So I, you miss me with the Quibi. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, right off the bat, they are failing to get your average person interested in Quibi at all, but uh, even for the people who were interested, it took over a month after Quibi's initial launch in April before they even enabled casting it to a TV. Mm -hmm. Who could have ever guessed that while people do like being able to watch videos on their phone, they often prefer watching content on a screen that's larger than their hand. Mm -hmm. Who could have guessed that? Oh yeah, us, again. Yes. And uh, if those few enthusiastic Quibi early adopters maybe wanted to spread the good word about something that they're watching on Quibi, on social media or whatever, well, good luck. Doing that without the ability to screenshot or make gifs of what you're watching. Yeah. Like they specifically Do not share this. blocked your ability to clip anything, take screenshots, make gifs. They their people social, are gonna steal this amazing content. Yeah, their social strategy was weird. It was like you would think you'd want to be posting as much free tastes of Quibi out there as possible, but they really didn't jump on that. What at I first, will say is that they definitely got millions upon millions of dollars in free advertising and brand awareness, but negatively... From the golden arm? First of all, the golden arm. But second of all, just the... It was more... uh, The company was more popular being mocked than it ever was or could be for the actual content it was releasing. Yeah. Because it just... Even people outside of the industry, it blew their fucking minds. Yeah. They're like, wait... First of all, this name is terrible. Yeah. Secondly, what's that? $1.75 billion, you say? Yeah. 
Oh, you mean you interesting. could you could like feed every uh, child at school in this country multiple times over instead of releasing an app that no one asked for and mm-hmm. that everyone, everyone knew would fail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But hey, uh, at least the first three months of Quibi was free, right? Yeah. Roughly 910,000 users signed up for the free trial period, which was a lot fewer than Quibi had hoped, considering they spent $1.75 billion just on the launch. And we've done the math before. But even if every single one of those 910,000 users stuck around after the free trial period and paid the $5 monthly fee, that would be $4.5 million a month. Which, look, that's a lot of money, right? Yeah, wow. But look, it's it's another problem with the... uh, the scale of the, numbers. People don't, you can't, and it's not anyone's fault, but it's hard for the average person to grasp just how much a billion dollars is. Yeah. Because you hear a billion and you hear a million, you're like, those, those are astronomical Almost numbers. the same word. Yeah, but it's it's a lot, and yeah. it would take forever to recoup the is first year. A thousand millions. Yes. At that rate, it would take Quibi around 385 months to break even. Or 32 years. And that's breaking breaking even on the first year of money. Uh, It doesn't take into... uh, This doesn't take into account operation costs uh, or, more importantly, Quibi producing new content for its platform after that. That's just to pay off that initial batch of content. Those 910,000 users would have to all stick around uh, for 32 years to pay off that initial investment. Uh And, of course... All 910,000 of those users did not stick around after the free trial. Um, according to research into this, Quibi denies this, but uh, oh, the data Quibi. suggests strongly that over 90% of those users dished Quibi once it was no longer free, leaving just 72,000 paying subscribers. And yeah, as you'd imagine, the math is much worse with just 72,000. Uh, 32 years to earn back your initial investment. That's a dream compared to the 405 years that it would take with Quibi's actual paying user base. Four centuries to pay off that initial cost. Like the oldest production company in existence is like 100 years old. Yeah. (laughs) It's insane. So yeah, much like with MoviePass, it was clear to anyone with basic math skills that Quibi was fucked. Yeah. Um, And unlike MoviePass, which actually managed to survive for a few years off an inherently unprofitable business model. And actually changed the industry, even though it died. Left quite a legacy. Yeah. Uh, Quibi only managed to make it six months past launch before dying, and... uh, I don't imagine it will be leaving much of a legacy at all. Absolutely not. Just a a hilarious uh, molehill on the mountain of a year that is 2020. Yeah, if it has any legacy, it's going to be like New Coke. Which is like, remember when that thing was a thing? It will be, <laughs> yeah, it'll be a reference to a previous yeah. decade. Okay. Like, like if VH1 was still doing those I Love Those shows, yeah. Michael Ian Black would be talking about Quibi 30 years from now on his deathbed. Uh-huh. Uh, Now, look, the news of Quibi's demise, it first started trickling out on Tuesday. It was actually, the timeline is hilarious, too. Uh, It came pretty quick. Because it all was like, hey, Quibi's trying to shop around and get people to buy these shows. Uh, Hey, by the way, next step, step, (laughs) Quibi's going to come to your TV screens uh, in more uh, options. Next step, Quibi's fucking dead. Yeah. yeah, so on Tuesday, little uh, murmurings coming out uh, when the information reported that co-founder Jeffrey Katzenberg, legacy ruined, <laughs> had told people in the, in the industry that Quibi might need to shut down soon and that he had unsuccessfully pitched Apple, WarnerMedia, and Facebook on acquiring Quibi, then unsuccessfully pitched Facebook and NBC Universal on acquiring Quibi's content library. And when, when not even Nobody Facebook, wants that shit. When not even Facebook wants yeah. your content, that is bad. Yeah. And Facebook can, will buy anything. Yeah, and I, I would, I would guess, 
like Quibi's just trying to get whatever they can get for this stuff. Just anything. Yeah. A dollar an episode. Just come out. I would love to have heard those meetings where like they walk in and they're like, "All right, we got this. Uh, we got this food show where these uh, these uh, rockets they." Pound people with food items, and they have to guess what it is, and then recook it, which is an actual show. Yeah, I forgot. And like Facebook's like, oh, okay. Well, what are you thinking? A couple hundred grand, which is, I think, pretty generous. Yeah. And Katzenberg's like, actually, that show uh, was a hundred million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, by Wednesday, it was widely reported in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere that Quibi was finished. And later in the day, Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman confirmed the news in a statement published to Medium.com. Yes, the statement's fairly boilerplate. It's basically, we're proud of what we accomplished, but this is the end of the line. Um, (laughs) Refreshingly, they don't outright blame the coronavirus pandemic for their failure like they have in the past, though they do definitely allude to it. Uh, There's this section. With the dedication and commitment of our employees and the support we received from our investors and partners, we created a new form of mobile-first premium storytelling. And yet, Quibi is not succeeding, likely for one of two reasons. Because the idea itself wasn't strong enough to justify a standalone streaming service, Yes. Yeah. Or because of our timing. Mm. Eh. Unfortunately, we will never know, but we, <laughs> but we suspect it's been a combination of the two. The <laughs> circumstances of launching during a pandemic is something we could have never imagined, but other businesses have faced these unprecedented challenges and have found their way through it. We were not able to do so. They, yeah, they're alluding heavily that that's still the problem when it absolutely wasn't. The problem was this was, a terrible idea? Well, I guess we'll never know. I, that's the funniest part of it because what it really <laughs> is is two aging... Uh, people from different tech sectors. Yeah. Uh, w- one media and one who actually worked in like sort of the tech industry. Yeah. Uh, trying to combine forces into some new product that they thought they thought was unstoppable. The youth, they thought the youth would be into this, but it's like you don't even know what. Meg Whitman admitted in multiple news articles that she is not even a fan of entertainment. She's yeah. like, she they when asked about uh, I forget what it was exactly, but when asked about like what her favorite show of the past couple months was, she was like, uh, "There's a documentary on uh, uh, President Grant on the History Channel that I'm really into." Ulysses wow. S. Grant. Yeah, I just I can't imagine they really focus tested this on Gen Z or millennials like at all. Like I can't see how you get a a random sample of young people in a room and you pitch Quibi to them and they we don't, don't like they're this. like well I could just watch YouTube or TikTok what do you, why would I pay money for this yeah it, it also like I mean there's a lot more to dive in on also this, you like, can if you're standing in line or whatever you can just watch Netflix look, you can watch HBO Max you can watch anything you could but also the quick bite moment that people have is usually not more than like a minute or and this goes into another whole thing where it's like Look, maybe if the United States had a better infrastructure with better public transit where you had actual moments where you could disconnect from the world around you. But look, we're a society completely driven by the automobile. Yeah. And uh, we're driving it ourselves or whatever. It's it's uh, and in a lot of public transit, got to keep your head on a swivel. I know Mm -hmm. here in Los Angeles, it's like, uh, yeah, you can't get too comfy. Yeah. Things go wrong. Yeah, it was just a kind of a bad idea all around. Mm-hmm. And they definitely went straight towards celebrity and famous actors uh, because that's what old media always does to get like that inherent success. And it like with especially with the Chrissy Teigen Chrissy's Court one, it seemed like they either didn't at all pay her to promote it on Twitter or or spent the bare minimum cuz I never saw her posting about it. Ever. So yeah, that and among other things like I heard about the contracts where 
people kind of admitted, people behind the shows admitted, like, yeah, I mean, well, it's only on there for, like, two years, and then we get the rights to it, so... Yeah, that's another thing. Like, they they can't even... They, they need to sell this content library quick. Because they lose the rights yeah, to it. Yeah, I think they... It's like a five-year limit. After that, it's like whoever created it now owns it. So they, they need to get this shit sold quick. Katzenberg must have thought that he would launch this and then immediately sell it to China for, like, a trillion dollars. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyways, baffling. uh, Quibi apparently didn't blow all of the nearly $2 billion. There's around $350 million left. Okay. Which is going to employee severance and to paying back investors who I'm sure are very unhappy. That's at least nice. A lot of times when these companies fail, they're like, by the way, we're broke, so fuck off. I'll be interested to see what employees get that. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, they're still trying to sell the app technology and content library of anyone wants it. Of course, anyone could just wait and be like, well, I guess, oh, I can turn my phone and it goes vertical. Wow. Great. Um, They do have a lot of content I was looking at the, the, like, just the Wikipedia list of all of the shows they made and I'm like, this is insane. They launched with a hundred titles. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other stuff that's listed as, like, TBA and I'm like, I don't know if any of it was shot. I'm like, what's going to happen to this shit? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah. But look, if you're a, a lot. if you're a real Quibi head who's bummed out about all this, maybe follow the advice Jeffrey Katzenberg gave to Quibi's employees while telling them about the company shutting down over a conference call. Yeah. Listen to the song Get Back Up Again from the soundtrack to the 2016 animated film Trolls sung by Anna Kendrick. Yeah, yeah, that he, apparently happened. He actually, he's like, yeah, sad day here at Quibi. Yeah. Uh, we're all losing our jobs. You know, if you're bummed out, you might know this about me, but I used to work at a company called DreamWorks Animation. We uh, we made a little movie called Trolls back in 2016, and well, you know, this anytime I'm feeling down, I listen to "Get Back Up Again" from the soundtrack to Trolls, sung by the lovely Anna Kendrick. Thank so, you, Mr. Uh, Katzenberg. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, that that should do the trick. And I do want to say, as we march all over the grave of Quibi, uh, we look it. People are losing their jobs. It sucks. Yeah. Everyone saw this coming, though. Right. And we, the, the, initially, when this first start, we first started reporting on this, we kept saying to people, and we've said it about other companies that are probably doomed, secure the bag, but don't count on it. Get your money, yeah. but plan that it won't be around forever because it won't be. Yeah. So uh, great news for everyone that was involved in the creation of the shows, aside from, you know, a lot of entertainment and production unions getting shafted because of the... Uh, yeah, they uh, they made so many shows in such a short period of time for so cheap that it, it brought down just the market rates of yeah. all production jobs in L.A. But, look, I'm happy everyone got paid. You all saw this coming, though. Yeah. It does suck Don't that it's happening. Surprised. But, yeah. Uh, and, look, love what they're doing. Might be the same thing for Ven. They just got more money. Yeah, get the bag, though. Get that bag. Secure the bag. Anyways. Uh, that's enough Quibi news yeah. for now. Rest in peace, Quibi. But let's move on now to some politics news, because tech and politics are increasingly intertwined lately. Mm-hmm. And Oh, yeah, one more thing, by the way. Uh, Quibi CEO Meg Whitman, the lady who doesn't watch entertainment but was in charge of an entertainment company, mm-hmm. uh, her job opportunities do not seem to be, have been negatively affected by what a disaster Quibi ended up being at all. She's reportedly on Joe Biden's shortlist for cabinet members if he wins the presidential election. Wow. Uh, Despite her being a Republican who previously blew $140 million of her own money running for governor of California back in 2010. What could go wrong? Very cool, Joe. Uh, Democrats love securing all the power and then just giving it back to the people they just took it from. Or securing the power and squandering it. Yeah, Yeah. all those things. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't want to upset anyone. Hey, we control all branches of government. We could pass universal health care right now. No, let's wait. 
Let's I, wait I until just, the Republicans win back the Senate. The last thing I want to do is upset Ted Cruz. Yeah. Well, fuck you. Like, all right, get this guy in office, and then we need to have a talk, everyone, about yeah. about how to run the country. Uh-huh. Because you should look at what the Republicans are doing and do the opposite of that, That's, but just as hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, now let's look at some pretty crazy news about uh, the guy that Joe Biden's running against, President Donald J. Trump. Yeah, basically, a, a cybersecurity researcher in the Netherlands who seems to have had a pretty legit career uh, is claiming that he accessed Donald Trump's Twitter account just last week by guessing his password, MAGA2020! I've seen articles that are, um, like... It's very... The whole thing is odd. And it, I don't know. Looking like this might not be a thing, but who yeah. knows? The, the news is weird this year, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised. But again, yeah. grain of salt. Dutch newspaper Volkskrant was the first to report that Victor Gevers, a researcher at the cybersecurity nonprofit GDI Foundation and chair of the Dutch Institute for Vulnerability Disclosure, had not only accessed Trump's Twitter account recently with that very obvious password and no two-factor authentication, but also claims to, uh, to have previously accessed Trump's account back in 2016 using Trump's old LinkedIn password that was revealed in the 2012 LinkedIn breach, and the password was, you're fired. See, that I believe. Yeah. Anyway, this all seems a bit unbelievable, considering that even during that big, weird Twitter incident a few months back where accounts belonging to Joe Biden, Kanye West, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and a bunch of other people were commandeered to scam people out of Bitcoins, uh, Trump's account remained untouched throughout all of that, suggesting that his account had some sort of additional secret safeguards in place, which uh, Twitter basically confirmed was the case, but they did not get into specifics for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, both Twitter and the White House say that Victor Gevers' claims about accessing Trump's account using the MAGA 2020 password are bogus. Yeah. So... Who knows? Yeah. But uh, on the other hand, the Volkskrant newspaper, uh, they claim to have seen additional evidence and screenshots provided by Gevers that both they and other cybersecurity experts that they shared it with find to be credible, including correspondence between Gevers and the Secret Service. So uh, who the hell knows? I would love to assume that it wouldn't be that easy. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty wild thing to lie about with your name attached when you're apparently a respected cybersecurity researcher. So putting careers online yeah. also kind of like makes it believable. And if his claims are, in fact, true, it would make sense for both Twitter and the White House to deny it, because that's embarrassing. Yeah. It also doesn't seem at all or all that unbelievable that Trump, a senior citizen, uh, would use your fired and MAGA 2020 as passwords. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's still having a hard time believing this, so let's just take it at face value and move on. Like, yeah. It could have happened. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, another politics and tech news. Google's in big trouble with the U.S. Justice Department, mm -hmm. who are officially suing Google on antitrust grounds, claiming that they have an illegal monopoly on the Internet search and search-based ad markets. DOJ is essentially arguing that Google search has gotten so big that there's no room for any real competition and that Google has gone out of its way to block competition and ensure that Google is the default search engine on most of the world's mobile devices and web browsers. From the DOJ filing. For years, Google has entered into exclusionary agreements, including tying arrangements and engaged in anti-competitive conduct to lock up distribution channels and block rivals. Google pays billions of dollars each year to distributors, including popular device manufacturers such as Apple, LG, Motorola, and Samsung, major U.S. wireless carriers such as AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon, and browser developers such as Mozilla, Opera, and UC Web to secure default status for its general search engine and, in many cases, to specifically prohibit Google's counterparties 
companies from dealing with Google's competitors. Some of these agreements also require distributors to take a bundle of Google apps, including its search apps, and feature them on devices in prime positions where consumers are most likely to start their internet searches. Google, of course, denies that this is the case. Uh, they insist in a statement that uh, this lawsuit is deeply flawed and anti-consumer, and that consumers can easily choose to search using Bing or DuckDuckGo or whatever. Uh, they just happen to prefer Google. Unless it's for pornography, in which case Bing is superior. Bing. Uh, their statement includes multiple images and GIFs demonstrating how easy it is to change your default search engine in various browsers and mobile devices, including in Android and Chrome, which Google themselves make. Mm -hmm. So while this case has been compared to the landmark Microsoft antitrust case from 20 years ago, it doesn't seem to be quite as clear-cut by comparison. In the Microsoft one, it was like you literally couldn't delete Internet Explorer <laughs> yeah. off of uh, Windows PCs, um, and Microsoft, uh, like, very actively was like trying to take down Netscape and shit like that. Like mm -hmm. this, Google Google knows what they're doing. They, they, they're avoiding the standards uh, for antitrust that were established in that Microsoft case. This new case uh, might establish new standards, but... I mean, anytime uh, you buy a new PC, the first thing that launches is Internet Explorer and Bing. Yeah. But you can disable it, you can yeah. easily switch to something else. Well, so um, you can with Google, so they have a decent case there. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's still too early to tell. I think Mozilla, Mozilla uses, I think default is DuckDuckGo now or something? Maybe. Yeah, because uh, I have I use Mozilla for when I'm Twitch streaming. Yeah. So it's like its own like. I think thing. Mozilla, when you install it, it gives you like oh, the a bunch of options, like choose your default search engine. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. This case will probably take like four years and <laughs> we'll see we'll see where it goes. Yeah. But yeah. But look, many in the US government, especially in Congress, have a huge bone to pick with big tech. With Democrats, it's generally more about antitrust concerns. But with Republicans, it's much more about the vague impression that conservative voices are being silenced. Last week, though, this impression got a lot less vague for a lot of people when that New York Post article about Joe Biden's son Hunter was blocked on Twitter and had its spread limited on Facebook, ostensibly on the grounds that it was election misinformation. In the week that followed, Rudy Giuliani and the New York Post haven't been able to back up most of their claims, but it was still really unusual to have an article outright blocked from being shared on social media. And it was exactly the kind of thing Republicans in Congress have been hoping for, clear-cut proof that conservative viewpoints are being silenced online, no matter how crazy. Yeah, uh, which is still mostly bullshit, even taking the New York Post thing into account. I mean, you spend any amount of time on Facebook or Twitter, and you'll find conservative voices with huge platforms and tons of engagement. I don't They're know who Dan Bongino is, but I know that he has the top viewed posts on Facebook yeah. at any point in time. They're doing great. Mm -hmm. Like, Facebook is basically a right-wing echo chamber. Yeah. And it's Facebook has contributed more to the right-wing movement than probably any other thing in tech. And there's no shortage of articles that explain how Facebook has suppressed uh, left-leaning yeah, as well. I, we've previously talked about how former Facebook employees have claimed that conservative pages basically get treated with kid gloves when it comes to content moderation. And this week, in the Wall Street Journal of all newspapers, which is owned by fucking Rupert Murdoch, mm -hmm. it was reported that after the 2016 election, Facebook updated its algorithm and either intentionally or unintentionally uh, basically just killed a ton of traffic to left-leaning news websites like Mother Jones. Yeah. Um, so d not really the thing you'd expect from a, a site that's supposedly just in the... In the bag for the Democrats. Yeah, you love to see how Facebook just lured every single news and content uh, uh, creation yeah. website and brand, and then just like, like a Pied Piper. <laughs> yeah, and then just right off the cliff. Yeah. By the way, there you go. We yeah. Were, yeah. Uh, if Facebook is yeah, if, if Facebook is 
just in the bag for the left. They uh, they did a terrible they've job. They've done a bad job at Yeah, it. they literally shot every single leftist outlet there. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be fun to see Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg answer the Senate's questions about their supposedly anti-conservative bias now that they've both been officially subpoenaed by the Senate Judiciary Committee. Cool. Both guys were already scheduled to appear before the Senate Commerce Committee next week to discuss Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. And this New York Post stuff is almost certainly going to come up during that hearing as well. So, I mean, it's unclear why another hearing is necessary, but whatever. The more the merrier. I love these hearings. It's the same thing every time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I posted this meme about, uh, you know, AOC being a bartender slut. (laughs) And um, it didn't get as many likes. I sent it to my grandson and he didn't reply, which makes me think that uh, I'm being shadow banned. Yeah. What do you say about that? There you go. Mr. Dorsey, um, how do I download PDF? Why? Mr. Dorsey, (laughs) Jack Dorsey. Why is Donald Trump Jr. getting less likes on his Instagram page? Oh, my God. I have no idea. I work for Twitter. Yeah. Well, you know, though. Yeah. You know. Anyway, before we get to even more news, it's time for a word from this episode's sponsor, Manscaped. Buzz, buzz. Mirror, mirror on the wall. What is the best brand for my balls? Manscaped, of course. Yeah. Now, hold up. Is that a nose pube? No, it's not, because I actually used my Manscaped trimmer earlier today. Mm. But good thing Manscaped's here to ensure that you're taking care of your manhood and your nose hairs with their new performance package. Uh, nose and ear hair might seem like old man problems, but uh, it's actually one of the many side effects of making it to your 30s, uh, right alongside a uh, bunch of weight gain, hair loss, increasingly bad hangovers. At some point, you're going to need to start keeping those nostrils trimmed. Yeah, Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Included in this new package is the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer which is waterproof and uses 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade systems to keep your nose nice and clean. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which obviously helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes of yours. And look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. I want to talk to that uh, 21%. Yeah, <laughs> they love it. Uh, why not use the best tools for the job in your nose and in your ears? This bundle also includes the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, the best trimmer on the market for your balls, butt, and body. And let's not forget their famous liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to maximize your ball hygiene routine. Mm-hmm. Get the performance package now to receive their two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. You'll also receive a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking and lawn mowing time clean and enjoyable. The performance package is the best value that Manscaped has to offer, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. Again, get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. That's 20% off with free shipping, manscaped.com slash technewsday. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. Whack your weeds. Do it in the privacy of your bathroom or house. Yeah, don't do it on Zoom. No. Back to the news now, though. Um... QAnon, the insane right-wing conspiracy that claims that uh, Donald Trump is personally taking down a global cabal of cannibal pedophiles, has recently been banned or had its exposure severely limited on Facebook, Twitter, Etsy, and other platforms. And the latest platforms to take action are YouTube and TikTok. Uh, YouTube's statement reads in part, Today, we're further expanding both our hate and harassment policies to prohibit content that targets an individual or group with conspiracy theories that have been used to justify real-world violence. One example would be content that threatens or harasses someone by suggesting they are complicit in one of these harmful conspiracies, such as QAnon or Pizzagate. 
As always, context matters, so news coverage on these issues or content discussing them without targeting individuals or protected groups may stay up. We will begin enforcing this updated policy today and will ramp up in the weeks to come. Due to the evolving nature and shifting tactics of groups promoting these conspiracy theories, we'll continue to adapt our policies to stay current and remain committed to taking the steps needed to live up to this responsibility. So basically, talking about QAnon, even in a positive way, is still fine for now. But using QAnon as the basis for accusing people or groups of people as being part of a deep state plot to kidnap babies or whatever, that's going to be grounds for a ban. So this new policy might not do a whole lot, but it's better than nothing. Uh, this being YouTube, though, there's bound to be plenty of friendly fire, considering most of its content moderation isn't done by human beings. Every time we've talked about this, I have not put QAnon in the tags, because I know that's just like... Instant demonetization. And then instant limiting. When the human beings look at it, they get it wrong too. Sometimes. Yeah. Meanwhile, over on TikTok, they're taking a much more firm stance uh, with a spokesperson telling NPR, quote, content and accounts that promote QAnon violate our disinformation policy and we remove them from our platform. We've also taken significant steps to make this content harder to find across search and hashtags by redirecting associated terms to our community guidelines. Yeah, there you go. I mean, you can still find a lot of it on there. What's interesting is like Facebook has been limiting QAnon's reach for over a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way the shit has spread has been a sort of two-pronged approach where the videos go up on YouTube and they don't have a lot of organic reach, mm-hmm. but they get shared on Facebook. And that's where they... So now QAnon groups and whatnot are banned from Facebook. I, I'm, I don't know how well they're doing a job yeah. at that, but like... No idea. Haven't had a Facebook uh, in years now. Yeah, it basically... If you still haven't deleted your Facebook, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you suffering through another election on Facebook? You're just exposing your gaping butthole to Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. He's taking a big old sniff. Yeah. What are you doing? Anyway, speaking of disinformation, the latest version of Adobe Photoshop has some pretty wild new AI-powered features for altering images with digital trickery. Uh, These include stuff like sky replacement and improved selection tools, but also an entirely new neural filters tool set that includes smart portrait for manipulating faces. Uh... I tried it out on Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump's faces. Uh, I went pretty overboard on the parameters here to turn both guys into absolute freaks. But uh, you can achieve some pretty believable results if you're more subtle about it. Yeah, you wouldn't notice unless you knew that it was being manipulated. Yeah. Uh, The parameters you can manipulate there are uh, happiness, surprise, anger, facial age, gaze direction, hair thickness, head direction, and light direction. Other neural filters include skin smoothing, style transfer, makeup transfer, and colorize. And there's more filters apparently coming soon that promise to automatically clean up grainy or pixelated images. So far, none of it's exactly magical, but it's still really impressive. And for our purposes, the smart portrait filter should prove to be quite useful for our thumbnails. Yeah, they already, uh, it's like two versions ago or three. Subject select? Well, that yeah, that's been tremendous. Yeah. But uh, the liquify tool added a bunch of face stuff a while back. We see it's like, if I just want to make the eyes and mouth bigger, I can actually just adjust the slider for the eyes and mouth. Yeah. Now I can do that, and then I can bring it over the neural filters and just really fuck with it. I'm like, he he looks angry, but I want to make him look angrier. Yeah. And more scared. Mm-hmm. And also horny somehow. <laughs> And uh, I know for me, I'm old school. I like to still take it into the liquify and do it cartoon style. Yeah, it is it's more too, fun. It's too realistic in the yeah. neural stuff. It is. It so. is. But it, it, it does save a lot of time. And, uh, it's like news dump last week where I just, I made uh, Donald Trump look like a bullfrog just with his giant <laughs> yeah. chin. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, in other news, remember at CES 2019 when LG showed off this prototype 65-inch TV that just rolls itself up when it's not in use? It just goes down in the boo box and mm-hmm. 
No more TV. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty cool example of what can be achieved with flexible OLED displays. And uh, finally, it is on sale, though only in South Korea for now in you know, a limited run. Mm -hmm. uh, the price, 100 million won. Or 87,000 US dollars. <laughs> okay. You gotta really want this, baby. Katzenberg's gonna use it. Uh, you know what's funny is, uh, you remember the TV that might have been for millennials who wanted to watch Snapchat? Oh, the one that turns. Oh, uh, they are. The Quibi it, TV. It is like, uh, I saw it on sale for like. 75% uh, off or something. It's still like $800, yeah. but it's like 75% off, and it's hideous still. <sighs> yeah, could you imagine? Now they're just trying to get rid of them. Like, yeah. Obviously, no one wants it. Well, the target audience for, for that can't fucking afford it. I think I saw it go on sale the day Quibi uh, officially announced it was dead. So maybe, they probably had a bunch in their office. Maybe they were holding off for like yeah. the, when for Quibi to really catch on. Hmm. But yeah, they were on like it was like fucking slick deals or something like that. I was just like, oh, I remember that. Hey, check this out. <laughs> Cool. Now I can watch TikToks on my giant TV. Yeah. Great. Anyways, finally in food news, Impossible Foods has announced its next step in tricking non-vegans into eating vegan food. Impossible milk. I need milk. <laughs> There's currently no shortage of fake milk options out there that mostly do the trick. I heard oat milk is good. I still haven't tried it yet. It's fine. It's yeah. good for cereal. Yeah. I like almond milk. Yeah. But it's but uh, Impossible, the brand, is being much more ambitious about this whole endeavor. They say their milk will actually look and taste like cow milk, uh, but it'll also behave similarly, too. Mm -hmm. So it won't curdle in hot beverages. Uh, you'll be able to whip it or foam it, and presumably it'll behave like real milk in cooking and baking. That's the worst. It's like anytime I bake something and it calls for milk, I'm like... I'm going to ruin this. I, gotta, I either have to go to the store and buy a fucking half jug of milk and wait. that I'm only going to use on this, or I can try using almond milk or something, but it's, it never comes out right. Yeah, my biggest pet peeve with almond milk is, like, it tastes good in coffee, but it looks disgusting. Yeah, it, it doesn't mix. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it curdles. Anyways, according to The Verge, Impossible says they're also working on an Impossible egg that's actually a crackable egg. Yeah, that's, I mean... Both of these things, the milk and the egg, probably years away. But it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah of course they're working on that. The crackable egg, though, is wild. Like, why, why, why bother with the shell at that point? Like, just put it in, like, the plastic Easter egg things. You crack it like yeah, that. Just Kinder open egg. it up. Yeah. yeah, you open it up and just let it drip in. And mm -hmm. you can reuse it if you really want the experience. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's it for this week's Tech News yeah. Day. Um, Rest got, in piss, Quibby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, bye. Sweet, I wish I would have had prince. some. I wish I would have had some uh, some of that Quibi money, but you know, can't win them all. Whatever. Imagine what we could have done with like zero point one percent of that Quibi money. Oh yeah. I mean, I, we probably would have still looked the same, but I like be driving like a much nicer car, yeah. a new electric Hummer. Yeah, that new Hummer that can crab crab walk, walk. <laughs> just going down the street diagonally, drifting on the highway, yeah. looking cool as hell. Mm. That's what I'd have if I had the Quibi money. Yeah. So I'd also waste it. Mm -hmm. But at least I'd have something to show for it. Yeah. Live fast, die young. Uh, anyways, watch our other content over here. Uh, we'll be back with a new episode of News Dump with uh, another fun episode because uh, he's the Joker, baby. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs>